Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Each money-making conversation talk show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. Let me tell you something, everybody who's listening. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That's because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So stop reading other people's success stories or clips or or anything, uh, go to their movie and say, I want to be him, because that's their story. That's the path that they walk. You cannot replicate how they got there. So you have to start writing your own stories. It's really important when I say that. Now you can be motivated by their success, because their stories can offer you direction and help you reach your goals through their efforts. So you can just go, right, that's how they did it. Maybe I can do it that way. But remember, they did it their way. So you have to have your own planning and your own committed effort. My guests on Money Making Conversations have that same passion, and they share that information when we talk about their career, their motivation, what they are planning, how they've overcome the odds, and how they live a balanced life, which leads to sharing with us the secrets to their success. My next guest is a product of Harlem, New York. I like saying that. A product of Harlem. I put, this, I put the emphasis on Harlem, New York. He is a media personality, author, astro-numerologist, lecturer, professor, and has studied numerology and astrology for many years. He's brought the subject to light by way of his books, lectures, and appearances on both national television and radio shows such as Oprah Winfrey Television Show. He is on the show today to discuss his revised and updated edition of Numbers and You, a numerology guide for everyday living. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Lord Strayhorn. Rashawn, thank you so much. And sorry about that little mix-up with the Mercury is about to go retrograde. I don't know whether you're familiar with this phenomenon, but it's a Mercury rules the planet of communications. And when it goes retrograde or simply out of sync, out of alignment, or slowed down, so does everything else. Communications, I thought you said two. No, you said three. Uh, so it's a lot of things that goes on. So we're in the shadow of it now, and in fact, it becomes full effect on February 16th, next Sunday. Absolutely. I'm born in the month of February. My birthday is February Me too. 27th. My birthday is on Sunday, the awesome. 16th, and yours is 12 days later on the 28th. Pisces. Pisces making it happen. <laughs> 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 well, you know, it's really Actually, interesting. I, just, if I was going to be a Pisces, but my mother said she couldn't hold on. So I, I, whatever I, I, that don't means. worry about it. Don't worry about it. You got a good Pisces on the phone. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking it, brother. I'm rocking it. <laughs> so, you know, it's really interesting because we go through life when we see uh, – you know, the astrology section is in all, everybody, every newspaper. And, uh, yes. you know, every, and, and uh, you know, I'm as successful as I claim to be, and I'm educated as I claim to be, I still would look at Pisces and see what it says. Why, why, yeah. why, are we, why are we drawn to that information? Why are we drawn to astrology? Even though we say we, uh, we don't believe it doesn't matter what it says, but we're drawn to it. Why is it, Lord? Because we're always curious about ourselves and our future, what's around the corner. 
uh, what's the next move, what's the next step, especially, Rashawn, when we're in moments of doubts or decision-making or at that crossroads, as they say. And so it's no accident that since the beginning of time, famous men and women from Napoleon Bonaparte used astrologers. Uh, J.P. Morgan, in fact, used astrologers. In fact, in his day in the early 1900s, Rashawn, when the media approached him about the fact that he used astrology, and is it true it makes millionaires? He says, no, it makes billionaires. And what a lot of people don't know, LaShawn, is that actually Evangeline Adams, the astrologer of her day, actually taught J.P. Morgan astrology. And in fact, he hired an astrologer on his staff, and so did Charles Schwab. So if you notice, to this day, you have J.P. Morgan Bank, and Charles Schwab Investment Company, but way back in the early 1900s, they both had one thing in common. They both employed, they both had an astrologer on their staff. Wow. So tell me this. What exactly is an astrologist? Astrologer is one who makes a study of the zodiac sign. Right. And that is determined by the nature of the planets. Each planet rules a sign. Each sign rules a characteristic. And these signs are broken into four elements of earth, air, uh, fire, and water. And so this would explain things. So, for example, when I take your birthday, February 28th, not only are you a water sign, but you also a fire number, which means you bring to the table of life intuitions, feelings, hunches about things, right. yet passion, determination, and conviction to get things done. That's right. A romantic, a winner, you know, a poet. Come on, add, add all the good stuff to that, Lord. A ro- romantic, <laughs> you know, poet, you know, a natural yeah, leader. Yeah. All I see, I know all my qualities. <laughs> because well, always, what happens is numerology is like the kissing cousin to astrology, right. and the glue between the two mm-hmm. are the planets that rule them. Mm-hmm. So, if a person says mention the planet of the sun, mm-hmm. I know they're talking about a Leo. Or, numerically, they're talking about a number one person born on the 1st, the 10th, the 19th, or the 28th of any month. And so this, that's the combination. So I've just merged the best of the sciences. But, you know, you said something earlier where it sounded like me in my evolving. I started reading about great men and women and things like that, what made them who they are. Right. And everybody does go at their own rate of speed, their own rate of time, and according to their own set of numbers which right. you do and I do and everybody else for that matter. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's really interesting when I, um, in high school, um, I studied uh, numerology and I studied palmistry. And I, I, I was so and, um, uh, driven by it that it was, it was my uh, national science project. You know, and, really? and it, it was, uh, and it was, it was, uh, and so when I submitted it and I, 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 you know, I won in my high school and then I was at the state level. And and all the all the uh, judges would come by, and of course, you know, I knew what I was talking about. I knew numbers. I knew how to do numerology, and I knew palmistry. And they would walk away all, in awe that I could pull this type of information from the lines in their hands, the type of fingers that they had, and the patterns yep. that are consistent tied to their personality. And so, but when you have that ability, it really does help you uh, understand people who you're talking to, their personalities, and also can give them good advice. Is that a part of your yeah. life as well, giving advice to people you may or may not know? Well, here, let me give people just a quick business tip. 
if you're talking to a very important person in front of you, pay attention to the length of their fingers. Absolutely. The longer the fingers, the more details they expect from you. The shorter the fingers, the less details they expect from you. Mm-hmm. So if a, a, a person sitting across from you has very short fingers and they say to you, Lloyd, is it, this is a yes or no question, answer it in a yes or no fashion. Don't say, well, you know, Mr. McDonald, one day, back in the day, they don't want to hear all that. Is it yes or is it no? And so these things, these are observations and physical observations that help guide a person intelligently about the person in front of them. Mm-hmm. So Napoleon once says, the face may deceive, but the hand never. That's so a exactly woman can true. have all the most beautiful makeup on the planet, but if she opens those palms of her hands and they got ugly lines that, lines that are all out of sync, yes. I don't care how good she looks, okay, <laughs> Rashawn? <laughs> hey, I, I, I got to tell you the truth. You know, like I said, you know, if your fingers are long and slender, you know, you have music or music background. You know, yeah, that's right. Art driven. Yeah. I, I remember that. I'm telling you something. Man. I was into it, and I, and I, and I you know, in life, you know, you know, I'm 18 years old. And I always tell people that your destiny is tied to what you to your often tied to your youth because that's when you were were a thinker, were a dreamer, were a person who wanted to advance your opportunities beyond wanting to work a normal job. And I always remember yeah. that 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 I, I think I feel I still use those qualities because they were just natural to me. Because people always say you. You can make a decision about a person so quick, Rashawn, as soon as you meet them. Because I can, because I, I feel that what I learned as a in, in studying numerology, what I learned in studying uh, palmistry, it really helped me have confidence in myself in communicating when you're talking to strangers or talking to people that you know. Correct? Sure. No, no, you're a hundred percent right. And and that of many of my clients, the common thing they'll say to me, man, I wish I'd have known this a long time ago how to align their seasons, how to be in the right place at the right time. Because if you can be in the wrong place at the wrong time, why can't you be in the right place at the right time? And that's what took me years to figure out. So when I talk with clients, I can tell them their best days, their best dates, their best months, their best ages, their best years, and a host of other things that's absolutely fascinating. And as long as I've been doing this, I am still amazed to this day. <laughs> Are you amazed to the, at the reaction that people give you or the information? Yes, yes, to, yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And I have a way of putting a Q&A on things. For example, in numerology, what, what, and see, here's what got me into the numerology world. Mm-hmm. Numerology, like astrology, deals with your birthday. But numerology is the only metaphysical branch that deals with your name. So people will hear me on the money-making conversation show, right? Right. So they'll be talking about their signs for a minute. And then the next thing you know, yeah, Lloyd, yeah, Rashawn, yeah, so-and-so. We're back to the name. Mm-hmm. Well, in numerology, the name denotes your natural talents, your gifts, your skills, your abilities, the kinds of people that are likely to be drawn to you, right. the occupational leanings that will take place, for example, and a host of other goodies. So uh, to give you an example, I took the liberty of your first name, Rashawn, okay? Because the first name is the active name, as I tell people. Absolutely. It's like a start a job today. You give our first and last name, but by Friday, it's like, hey, Rashawn, hey, Lloyd. So when I did the name Rashawn under the Chaldean system, the name adds up to a 29 and 2 plus 9 is 2. Mm-hmm. Now, what's amazing is this. It, two rules of mechanical, mathematical sciences, computers, technology, engineering, uh, things of that nature – Two also rules the food industries, too. Because if you look at how the two is shaped 
when you write it, it's almost shaped like the intestines of the stomach. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, people who have two in their name or their birth, they're normally sending kids out their eating habits, dietary laws, they make caterers, chefs, restaurateurs. Listen, I can't wait to get a hold of some easy, squeezy, lemon, peasy, whatever you call this thing. <laughs> it looks like about two of them. I look like I get about two or three of those, okay? It also tells me that there was a higher than average probability one of your parents could have either been a parent cancerian, which is late June, July, mm-hmm. or a Taurus, late May through June, or born on the 2nd, the 7th, the 11th, the 16th, the 20th, the 25th, or the 29th of any month. Mm-hmm. And you get along better with the females mm-hmm. than yes, you so. do the males. Mm-hmm. And so your target audience probably too. Well, you know, yes, my target, target audience is uh, are female. But, of course, you know, because I studied numerology in, in high school, I knew that about my name. And but you know, ah. but, but as you go through life, you tend to forget that you know you and I sure. and, and so this sure. is really you know I, I have my executive producer and I have my other producer Sam. They looking at me because they're saying things that you're saying. They know it's about me. I'm very tech savvy. I, I love food. I'm a foodie. I'm a baker. So all those things, and you've never met me. And so this is information you gather and through through the process. And so some people can say, "Oh, that's sweeping generalizations." Oh, it can it can match up anywhere. But if you do your work correctly, you can really grind grind down or uh, uh, make, make it more granular, so it really fits you and make it and make, make you realize this is a life that you can lead. If you're confused about what you want to do in life, that's what numerology can help you. Correct? It, it does. It opens up a lot of things. I, I, let me ask you this. Were you born in Houston, Texas? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, because, see, what people don't know is each city and country and nation have their own numerical frequencies. Yes, they now, do. Now, to give you an example, you're born on the 28th, 2 plus 27. It's the 27. It's 27. Huh? It's the 27th, Lord. February 27th. Oh, the 27th. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so I stand corrected. That's a nine. So your numbers will be the nine, the mm-hmm. six, and the three. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. But what happens is one of the numbers that are strongly, strongly attracted to the nine is the one. For example, one represents the alpha, nine represents the omega, the beginning and the end. So I noticed that the cities you lived in, where you were born in Houston, that's a, that city adds up to the number one. Then I know that you lived on First Avenue, you came to New York during your common stand of comedy days. That's right. On, I think it's <laughs> the time you were on 86th Street. Yes, sir. And then you came back to New York again on First Avenue, living on 39th Street. That's correct. And then in 1990, that's when you moved to L.A. Absolutely. All right. And then, you know, you said you got your first uh, tasting experience from... Um, Cecil's on 118th Street in Harlem. Absolutely. But New York City is the number one. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, where you resided, is the number one. Even your office, 100, adds up to a number one. Mm-hmm. But if you were born on the 27th, that means your key numbers are the nine, the three, and the six in that order. Mm-hmm. So people say, well, what does that mean? And they think it's about going to a lottery place. No. No. These numbers, once I glean it, it tells me what your best days are. Your best days are always on a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Why? Because nine rules Tuesday, three rules Thursday, and six rules Friday. Mm-hmm. So of all the days, you've got to make decisions. So with my business clients, and I do their calendars, I do this based upon their numbers because certain days are better than others. And so with that, I know that you're blessed with six months during the year, which is March, April, and May. October, November, and December. So if you look at when you 
may have gotten your car or signed these contracts mm-hmm. or got Steve Harvey off the ground. Because I know I think just started back in 1984 when his, uh, mm-hmm. his uh, business manager was killed in an accident, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it does is it also shows your consistency, too. And nine people, two plus seven is nine, mm-hmm. have very good opinion of themselves. They do not take orders from anybody. <laughs> they like to be the mass of their faith and the captain of their ship. Oh, Amen. Okay? Hey, Lord, I'm, I'm going to go to the next break, but I'm going to come back and share some of the thoughts that you just talked to me because it's real important that people hear what I try to say on this show about it. And bringing Lord on, it really is taking me back on the journey to let me know that I am now living the path that I had set when I graduated from high school. That's all. We'll be back with my man. He's a astro-numerologist, expert. Let's put the word expert in front of his name, Lord Strayhorn. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversation. The show today is to discuss uh, my guest's revised and updated edition of Numbers and You, a numerology guide for everyday living. He's back. He's uh, changing. He, he's not so much changing my life. He's just reminding me of uh, my course of action was always planned. And now I'm really living it now. And that's what I preach to every, every people all the time is that really if you're confused and you don't know what you want to do in your life, just go back to when you was 18 in those early 20s when you had a dream and it kind of shifted. It could have shifted because of some physical uh, illness. It could have shifted because of relationship, could marriage, a job. You could move. All those things can cause you to shift out of your dream. But more importantly, that dream is still inside you. And so as I hear you talk, Lord, about numbers and talk about my name and talk about the city and state and the cities I lived in, because I did live on 86th and 1st. I did live in New York on 39th and 1st. I did. I have lived in Houston. I have lived in Atlanta. I have lived in Los Angeles. All these things are important. But And also Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, that's those are important days to me. I work like that. I told my staff I got to get my first quarter right so I can have a successful March, April, and May. I just bought my car last year, my newest car in the month of May. Also, I told my staff in the – in 2019, I had to get my fourth quarter right, which is October, November, and December, because I just felt I had to do that. I just felt with inside me it was important. And then hearing you deliver this information back to me during this call is crazy good, because that means that I have to I have to continue to understand that my course of action has already been set. I have to just accept it. And that's what a lot of people don't do, and that's what you remind them through your practices, correct? That is correct. And what happens is we're so busy looking in anybody, everybody else's backyard, we need to look in our own backyard. That's why Earl Nightingale called this thing Acres of Diamond. We're so busy looking over there that probably right under your very own feet are Acres of Diamonds that you have not tapped into it. Not only that, people won't know what a real diamond looks like in the rough anyway. Absolutely. They'll think it's a piece of stone and kick it out. But for those that are astute, for those that are persistent and consistent, they know when that stone, that dirty stone is cut and polished and shaped, it's of huge value. And that's how we do our dreams. Wow. Let's talk about uh, 
how can we get in touch with you? Do you uh, what is your website? Let's let's go there before we start talking about your book because of the fact that it's a revised and updated edition of your book, Numbers and You. Let's talk about how can yes. we contact you and tell us about your website. Well, my website is Lloyd-Strayhorn.com. So it's L-L-O-Y-D, Lloyd-Strayhorn, S-T-R-A-Y-H-O-R-N.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter, under Numbers in You, Facebook, under Numbers in You, uh, what's that other, uh, Instagram, under Numbers in You. Uh, this book that you're talking about, actually, I, I, I actually written uh, three other books. I've written a total of six books. They can see them all when they go to Amazon.com. And for those that would like to reach out to me, uh, they can call my toll-free number, which is 1-800-581-4401. That's 1-800-581-4401. Now, I'm going to admit, when I when we start talking about, uh, you know, because you know, on our show we had a lot of um, people who are gospel artists, and sometimes, and jokingly, when we start talking about astrology or start talking about, you know, they'll start talking about, that's devil's work. You know, you, 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 you're following that. You're leading people away from God. Well, when you hear that, because you talk about it in your book, you know, the book I'm talking mm-hmm. about, Numbers and You, a numerology guide for everyday living. When they say things like devil's work, uh, leading people away from God, what are your comments on that? Well, you know what's interesting, Rashawn? People don't know I went to seminary school. I was going to be a minister myself, believe it or not, except I got through God's work in another way. Mm-hmm. And here's what I do. I do have three, three sections of the religious body that feels what I do is devil's work. But this is how I explain it to them. Religion is a belief, Rashawn. What I do in astrology and numerology is a science. So the two don't compare. In other words, in order for me to do your chart, I have to use the scientific method of taking the month, the day, the year you're born, the time and the location. It doesn't go any other way. And then I'll tell people, name me a war since Cain since killed Abel in the Bible. Name me a war that's been fought in the sign of Pisces. They can't name me one. Right. <laughs> name me a war that's fought in the name of the number nine. They can't name me one. Mm-hmm. But all throughout history, they've been religious wars. Now there's a Protestant, the Catholics in Ireland, the Muslims and the Hindus in India, okay? My God is better than your God. It's a belief. So therefore, this doesn't interfere. And then when I tell people the Bible is a numerology book, they get upset. Yes, they do. Because if you go to the Old Testament, the fourth book of Moses is called the Book of Numbers. Now, what's it going to say? I wrote that. <laughs> that God instructed Moses on the second day of the second month to name the armies by their name and their pole. And then when people want to talk about the 12 tribes of Israel, all they had to do is go to that same chapter, the the book of Numbers, and further into that chapter, God gives the numbers of all the 12 tribes, every single one. So the Bible is a numerology book. You cannot name a a chapter verse, they'll say Psalm 23, verse 2, or Chapter, you know, um, <laughs> Pre- Preach, Lord. Preach, Lord. Because I know you've had this conversation many times. Yes. And when my mother used to take me to church on Sunday as a boy, okay, I'd hear them women up there talking about that hymn number look real good. I know what that meant at the time, you know? Right, right, And they right. keep it in all week. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, and, and imagine trying to go through a world without numbers. Imagine uh, Stephen A. Smith going October the 5th, trying to live in a world of athletes where numbers are not used. 
Yes. How can he talk about the stats? How mm-hmm. can he talk about the scores? You know, you can't do anything without numbers. You go to your dentist today, each tooth in your mouth is assigned a number <laughs> from 1 to 32. <laughs> You know, it's really interesting. Don't get me started, uh, Rashawn. I got to because see, you, I, I got started in high school, so so I knew I, I knew numerology was a science. I knew that palmistry was a science. I didn't think it was like devil's work because I knew that if you applied mathematics, it would eventually guess what? I got my degree in mathematics. Exactly. And so exactly. and so I so this was just a you know reason I'm excited. What uh, my executive producer of the show, Samantha Taylor brought your name to me. She said, Rashad, would you like to get him on? I said, what does he do? I said, oh, 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 he has to be on the show. And just to talk about, you know, this is the kind of like, you know, to me, it's like, you know, you, if you know, you're my godfather in the sense that, mm-hmm, you know, you mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of the fact that you, you have, you have, you have went beyond my thought process, but you're reminding me, Rashawn, you was, you was headed down the right track. You know, you, 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 you understood how to be successful using these philosophies is all about science. There's nothing offensive about it. But That's and then right. eventually exactly. got your degree in math. All scientific. And you've all yep. and, you've, and you've lived your life based on the principles of numerology. You lived your life. Look at you first, first, yep. first, first. Houston, yep. all of it. And the months are important to you. And so I have subconsciously taken that information, buried it in my brain, but I've lived it all my life. And then for and you, you to remind me today, looking at the background, what little background I could find on you, you seem to be very, very much in sync with what you do. Yes. But then again, Pisces is referred to in astrology as one of the psychic signs that they know. They just don't know how they know. But if they go by their feelings and they go by their hunches, and then if listen, you y'all, listen, listen, I'm telling them, listen. Yes, they, they, okay. they, how you know that, Rashad? Why you just Why you just gonna say that person ain't? Well, walk away from that person. He's a fool. I said, hey, I just know that's a fool sitting over there. I don't know. They might dress well, but that's a lot of craziness yeah. sitting in that chair over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's talk about the book, my friend. You've revised it. It's updated. When you say that it's revised and updated, what exactly does that mean? Well, what it means was that I published my first book in 1987. Yes, sir. This one was published in 1997. Now I have three other books that was published in 2016. That they can see on Amazon. One is, and I have them in different colors. This, the one you and I are talking about, is the orange color. Right. Then I have a rose color book. That's Lloyd's Numbers and You Relationship Guide for people about relationships, marriage, the best time, this, that, and the other. Then I have another one called Lloyd's Numbers and You Workbook. That's in green to teach you how to do what I do, but in a very rudimentary way. And then my third one is my blue book, which is Lloyd's Book of Numbers, a numerology guide for the 21st century and beyond, which is really an extension of the book you have that takes things to a whole nother level. And as long as I've been doing this over 40 years, I'm still learning, and I still is excited. That's what's, and I'm just as amazed as if I just started yesterday. It's the most interesting thing. So Confucius says, when you find your passion, you never work a day in your life. And that's right. what you and I do. Right. Well, you know, it's really fun. First of all, it's a fun conversation. I enjoy all my interviews on Money Make Conversation. But to hear an interview that has reminded me that I have lived my life according to a foundation I set in high school. Just I follow, I'm still following the rule. That foundation was very key. And so my success that I'm living right now is, is going back to or accepting the responsibility of that foundation that I had laid when I came out of high school. And I tell people that all the time who are confused, who are 
who are bored, who are dissatisfied with the course that their life is uh, leading them on, that, you know, just go back. Just go back and look and uh, lay that foundation. And so, but you, can, but you can help them now if they are confused. You can help them now if they don't understand what the future can hold. You're not predicting the future, but you can lay the framework of how it should be, correct? See, I use this as a guide. For example, a person will get up this morning and they say, okay, they look at the weather, it's going to rain. So it may rain or it may not, but it guides you as to, okay, if it does rain, I need to go out with my boots, my umbrella, my raincoat. That's all it does. Wow. It just acts as a guide. It doesn't, you know, grab you. And I, and I think, well, anyway, I've got a whole philosophy. The next time I'm on, I, I know I'm Well, I'm going to tell you something. First of all, you, you, know, you know you're coming back. And you know that Good. when I come to New York, we're going to eat lunch or dinner, just Please. as friends, just Please. as friends, because, you Please. know, I just need to, I, I like I surrounding myself with people who have similar drive, similar passion. That, that's where I'm heading in my life now, Lord, is making sure that people around me uh, motivate me, but also accept the values that I have and don't think that the way I talk is crazy or don't think that I have any negative spirit. I always walk away from the negative spirit and you are not a negative spirit. You're a motivator. Because of the fact yeah, that I know people I have thrown a lot of bricks at you. People and my clientele are primarily women. But well, men need to be open to this, too, on, yeah, so yeah. they can live their lives better. Well, we'll, we'll, get, up, we'll get them there together, well. Lord, me and you. Because guess what? Yeah. I straight up, we're going to talk. I'm, I'm, I'm the truth. I'm success. And I would definitely let everybody know that you're the truth. Again, before we get off the, or off the, uh, wrap up this interview, Lord, please tell everybody how they can reach you on your website, your social media, and that 1-800 number. Okay. It's in lloyd-stateone.com, and they can read their Zodiac sign for the year 2020. Then my toll-free number, if they want to reach out to me, that's 1-800-581-4401. And they can always visit me on my media sites, Instagram numbers in you, Facebook numbers in you, uh, Twitter numbers, and you. My man. I want to thank you for taking the time to come on my show. I want to thank you for taking the time to remind me of my greatness and remind me that... Brother, we're all great. And let me say this. I tried to explain that when you have millions and millions of sperm going after one egg, Mm -hmm. and we are the result of that one egg that was connected, every single one of us are special. It's what we do or don't do with our specialness. Well, that's what Money Making Conversation is all about. My next guest, he's in studio with me, and I'm excited. Was raised in gumbo country, <laughs> New Orleans, Louisiana. See, I'm a Houston boy. Houston, Texas, so That's right. I-10 East. I know about that. Oh, you know, y'all got gumbo Lafayette, Rouge, you know, <laughs> Alexandria, my That's man. Right. My right. parents were Shreveport, Bossier. So I got a whole lot of oh, yeah, down Full me, so. spectrum. There you go, brother. Oh, yeah. you go. I'm a little north, but I'm, south is different from the north. No, north, no. North, North yeah, 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 but we eat gumbo. Everybody eat gumbo. <laughs> Everybody can come together on that one. But that rule got to be right, though. It's got to be right. There you go. It has to be. He currently spends his time between Atlanta, Chicago, Los Angeles, and New York, all four cities I've lived in fully, where he always is working hard on a multitude of projects like starring, like a starring role in the musical drama Star on Fox, HBO, HBO's Insecure, my girl Issa Rae. USA's Unsolved, the murders of Tupac and Notorious B.I.G., and his role as my man, good friend, R&B singer Johnny Gill on BET's The Bobby Brown Story, which drove in numbers, record numbers, 29 million viewers during premiere week. 
Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my man, two-time Grammy-nominated Luke James. Oh, yeah. How you doing, doctor? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> that man. lady out there. That yeah, lady you did, out there. You did. Set me up real nice. Well, I got to set you up. When you've yeah. done something, yeah. see, I, I've learned I've, over the years, I tell people when I introduce them, what we, what we make a mistake on, their resume got to got to be told. Yeah. Because you know, you're, you're kind of like, you don't want to like always brag about it. Absolutely. But it does tell you you can walk in the door for a reason. Yes. And be respected. Absolutely. Now, when did you feel in this business you started getting respected, Luke? Wow. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I've had, I've had moments. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say I have moments, but I think it, it, it hasn't, it hasn't really been until really around now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be fair, um, mm-hmm. because I, I, I think now I've actually put in a solid. Well, now it being New Year's, a full ten years. Congratulations! To, thank you to mm-hmm. to my to my craft being a, an established artist, um, and also uh, jumping into a new endeavor, uh, you know, uh, film and TV. Well, you know, it's really interesting because you are a diverse talent. You're mm-hmm. a singer. Yes. Okay. And sometimes I remember when I was managing Steve Harvey because he was a comedian. Some people were envious that he was able to get sitcoms because uh-huh. he was a comedian. Right. They feel he didn't put the work into the craft. Right. You know, and so they, oh, he just gave, he just got it because he's Steve. You right. Know? Right. He's a funny guy, and that's not fair because no. we all put different levels of work. What, yes. what is, because you, I mentioned the cities, you know, yeah. Atlanta, yeah. Chicago, which I love, that food, mm-hmm. that cold will run yeah, you out. That cold will run you right on out. <laughs> It'll run you we right both on out. Love up. New York City. Yes. And then LA, just because you got to go there. You, you have to go there. Yeah. So that means you putting work into your life. There's, there's, there's means that there's times you would be, rather be someplace else. Yeah. But you got to be there. You got to be about you, that. Talk about well, that. Well, I mean, you know, there, there are different paths you must take. I mean, sometimes you don't always know it right off the back. You know, I, I left New Orleans um, right out of high school, mm-hmm. uh, went to L.A., sleeping on the couch, sleeping on the floor. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, me and my me and my bros that I uh, graduated from school with, and, mm-hmm. and we just, you know, we had the, the mentality that, okay, this is what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. We need to... We need to leave New Orleans. Mm-hmm. We need to go somewhere else and and start hitting the pavement there and sing there and mm-hmm. get our name out there. Mm-hmm. And and that's just really what it really is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as an actor, you you you're stationed different places. Right, right. You know, and that's a beautiful thing because you you if you have the time, you you get an opportunity to if you can. Um, sink your teeth into the city that you're in, mm-hmm. and 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 there you can feel the pulse of what that city has and, mm-hmm. and like living in New York, mm-hmm. that hustle and bustle. I mean, that, that feeling, that, <laughs> hey, that feeling you must, people, what, you, pu- people pushing oh you Oh my gosh, all, all of it. The, and, and the attitude. Now some may take it negative, but I, 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 I took it as a positive. People don't have time. Yes. Yes. You yes, know, people yes, yes, really, res- yes. you have to respect people's time and that, and, and, and they cherish their time. And mm-hmm. so that's why they, they, they get going. That's why it feels like, you know, as soon as you wake up at nine, you know, nine a.m. You blink; it's nine p.m. You know, it feels like, you know. So it's so it's 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 interesting. Yeah, you know, you go to New York Midtown at two o'clock in the morning; it feels like a five o'clock. Oh yeah, in a regular city. Yes, and that's the crazy part about New York City. And I always tell people that you know, I reason I bring up those different locations. Yeah. They are each one of those cities are different. Yes, and it, it you walk away with mm-hmm. a sense of what that culture yeah. is, yes. that, that atmosphere, I think it makes you a much more rounded person. It does. I think so, too. I think traveling is absolutely, imp- it's imperative to any person. I think I think we you, you have to, at some point in your life, you have to have, I hope you, you're able to, you're blessed to have a, a nomad uh, 
uh, <laughs> period in your life where, right, you, where right. you just live a bunch of different places. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think it's just really important to, to, to know about the world. Right, you right, know? right. You know, I, it was really funny just watching you talk, listening to you talk. I feel like I'm talking to a poet. You know, oh wow! A poet, yeah. and it's really cool. And I'm talking to Luke James, two-time Grammy-nominated oh, uh, singer, I'm artist. Just... You know, and I'm gonna tell you, I really tell you why I love talking to you because see, as, when I left IBM to do stand-up comedy, <clears throat> one thing I always wanted to do was have multi-levels of income. And that was, <clears throat> and see, I like that's what you're yeah. doing. Yes. See, see, it's really rough in this business, man, because there can be more setbacks than gains. Yes, and the setbacks are what turn people around. They right. turn them around. Absolutely. Know? We we look at this business. There's a lot of people who have gifts. There's a lot of people who have that passion. But those setbacks, man, can stop you because Absolutely. because you really don't have anybody to turn to. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, you can talk to somebody who's a secretary. You can talk to somebody who's throwing mail because they have people. They, they, they that's relatable to the normal yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. But you talk, you telling somebody at 18, I'm going to L.A. Right. All they think about is all the mother stars, Denzel, yeah. Samuel L. Yeah. People, they can't think of Luke James. Right, right. How you going to make it, dude? Who you yeah. know? Right. Who? Yeah. You have to really believe in yourself. You have to. You it it's it's. I mean, you have to be out of your mind in the sense of it, <laughs> in the sense of in the sense of your belief. Right. And your passion, your right? passion, and mm-hmm. it truly has to be yours. Mm-hmm. It can't be no one else's. Uh huh. Because I think that's where you know people people say, well, how do you say it? Because everybody kind of like you know thinks they're supposed to. But the, not everybody's really living their truth. I think not everybody's walking in their particular steps. They're seeing someone else's influence. They're you someone else's influence is, is is making them do something. Maybe that isn't completely right for them. Right. And there's a hole. At the end of that tunnel, there is some sort of place where they'll they'll realize that this isn't for them, and they and that's sometimes the downfalls in that. But that's why you have to really, really find that and know for sure that this is what you want to do, and then go for blow. Right, right. Now you know the really cool part about listening to you because mm-hmm. at that age, mm-hmm. I experienced it at my age. Yeah. You know, because I I left the, on the road. You did it at eighteen. At twenty six, I decided to make a decision that. I'm tired of IBM. I looked around. You know, I got enough. You know, Showtime had named me the funniest comic in Texas three mm. years in a row. I figured that was enough yeah. to, to go out there and test it. I, yeah. I had enough credits, you know, yeah. Since yeah. Some, some, some walking papers to get right. out there and see if I could do this. But even when you get out there, you're still alone. Did you Did you go to L.A. by yourself? Well, I went to L.A. with with two of my two of my bros that I went to high school with. Okay, we were in a we were in a group, a trio. Okay. okay. Um. And then, and then you know, the, somewhat some some parts of the business weren't understood, and 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 some issues, you know, family issues and whatnot came about, and then we kind of fell apart. Right. Our group. Right. Right. Um, I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision whether to stick around with with my my two brothers who who decided to leave L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, decided that they were going to leave L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, or stay in LA and fend for myself and that's the key word right there fend for yourself yeah. that's 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 the that's the one that's why they left yeah. Yeah. because i'm going to tell you something man a lot of people want to be stars a lot of people want to the dream or yeah. the pot at the end of the rombo yeah. but it's a lot of loneliness yeah it is there. there is and it's a lot of self doubt you have to you know if you have faith you have to it's so much man <laughs> it's so much it's it's so much you know i i mean you know I, Let's speed up to the last five years. Mm-hmm. I say for me, 
has have been one of the hardest one of the hardest times for me just um just finding myself right finding what i love um finding out my truth just in 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 general in career is this music is this what i want to do continue to do is is this what i'm supposed to do right um also, is this all I have? Right, 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 you know? right, right, and, right. And and around that time, it was very, really scary. And 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 then also just personal life, the love, and and wanting to be in love, and trying to have a life. And am I the poet? Come on, am poet! I putting everything inside of this. <laughs> Write basket? this song in front of me. Write this song in front of me. <laughs> you know, because am I, am I putting my career ahead of living life and, and stuff? And am I missing out on things? You know, and and you know, it was it was, it was a lot. You know, going through a not feeling like I was being appreciated at a label, you know, right, n- right. N- trying to, f- I mean, getting all of these, op- all of these opportunities, but not, not fully being able to capitalize or on maximize it. them. Yeah. Maximize <laughs> them because I, I didn't completely have the artistic freedom that I, I needed that, that I needed in order to capitalize on so many of the things that were coming to me. Okay. Like you, film. So you went five years. I'm going to go mm-hmm. another five years. Okay. Okay, cool. Today, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in my staff, you know, we do yeah. a meeting, all right, and uh, and I always say, find out what guests going to come on the show or interested in come on the show, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I got staff in Jersey mm-hmm. and Richmond and conference call, and they go, I go, then Luke James' name come up. <laughs> then I hear the word chocolate drop. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't claim it. I don't claim it. <laughs> Hey, I don't hey, claim hey, it. Hey, hey, hey. I couldn't even get past, you know, what does he do? What does he got out? No, 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 no. The, the chocolate, chocolate drop. He's going to be on the show. He's going to be on the show. So, 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 so that means there's some good times happening out there when you carry a moniker. Yes. With the ladies called yeah. Chocolate yeah. Drop. Yes. Yes. No, truly. No. I, I, I honestly, to be fair, it never, it, it wasn't a thought in my mind. I mean, the ladies make the choice. They decide <laughs> yeah. what it is. I just throw my hands up and say, yes, I'll be yes, there for yes. you. That's how you get a sold out show that's in Atlanta. It. That's yes. how you get a sold out Friday sold night, out. tomorrow that's right. night. That's right. Sold out at a masquerade. Man, I'm grateful. And it's you. And it's just you. Just me. Yeah. Wow. Just me. I'm, I'm, man, I'm truly grateful. Mm-hmm. Truly grateful. This is Luke my- Luke James. Yeah. This is- LJ. This is This is New it. Orleans boy. Done. Yeah. 18 years old. I'm going to go follow my dream. Yeah, got to. Got to. Chocolate I'm, drop. Here I am. <laughs> Actor. Oh, yes, sir. Man, I, I mean- Wow, you're making me think of these things like I, I'm just grateful, man. Because it's a journey, man. Absolutely. It, you know, it's a journey. What I try to do in Money Making Conversations, I've been blessed because I, I know you. I know you yeah. from the, the highs and the lows, yeah. and there's some levels you're going to get that I've experienced, you yeah. know, private jets, just yeah. walking in, red carpets, multitudes, yeah. and things like that. Because I want you to experience that because you're going to pay it forward because you hear the way I talk, you know, because so, yeah. my legacy is sharing my experiences. With younger, with the younger generation, let them know it's possible. Absolutely. But what happened to me? I, I, I started believing myself later in the game. Mm. I'm asking you to believe in yourself now. Yeah. That the opportunity to give, follow, lead with them, because they, those, those sad moments can't win. No. And what cannot beat you is you. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying in this interview because we got a lot to talk about because we're going to get into that. Yeah, yeah. But that journey is important for my listeners to hear that you're a special young man and you can have all these credits. Yeah. And then what do you do with those credits? How do you build? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you turn opportunity into momentum? Yeah. And this is what this conversation, this is what this interview is about. You're living momentum now. Absolutely. Sh- yeah. The shy. The 
It's, uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's Momentum. Right. Momentum. Yeah. Sold out. Go you on. know, tour. Nonstop. <laughs> You're singer. It's moving. Actor. That's right. Uh, you know, a double header. You're I a double header, baby. I can barely touch the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, but you know something? You're humble. Yeah, you know, because of the fact that we got our time twisted up on this meeting. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't jump. I go, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. You said, I'm gonna hang in there. They, they you know, yeah. we we're coming to apologize about the time confusion. But that's yeah. important. People to understand that's who you are. Yeah, yeah, you know, because you understand situations. You know, you do not let an emotional moment detour an opportunity. Right. Because that's what this interview is out about. What, yes, an opportunity. Absolutely. So we're gonna be right back with my man. <clears throat> Two time sold out show. I'm put that in front of the sold out show. Sold out. Chocolate drop. Mm-hmm. Luke. James. <laughs> Hi, this is Rushan McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. You say to yourself, who calls Rushan's show? Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Lonnie Love. You have to believe in yourself. If nobody else believes in you, believe in yourself. With me being the first woman to host Essence Festival with 70,000 people um, to introduce Michelle Obama, that just doesn't come overnight. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Lynn Whitfield. Your daughter, Charity, is a hot mess on Greenleaf. Well, she is. She is. She's just trying to find her footing and she got spoiled because there were maids and things to help take care of her. A lot of times the baby in the family is like that. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversation. I said, Money Making Conversation. Have an incredibly incredible guest, man. I was really enjoying this interview because it's an interview about the truth. Yes. And I think the more and more I tell the truth on the show, Money Making Conversation, people understand why I do it. Mm-hmm. And you are you you share your your youthful. You, 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 the plight of saying I made a decision when I was 18. A lot of people make a decision when they're 18 to go to college. Right. But see. That path wasn't your path. No. Why? You know, I um I knew early on. I knew in school. I knew in <laughs> I knew in high school. I knew I knew in I knew in middle school. Mm-hmm. I rem- I I remember in middle school saying, Whoa, four more years of <laughs> school <laughs> at eight in eighth grade, I remember saying, Four more years? I don't know if I could do another four after that and then right. another four after that to depending on what it is I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I realized, man, I, I, I'm an, I'm an artist. I knew I was an artist, that, and I knew that I needed to live life, and I knew life for me wasn't happening inside of inside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd have done better. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have. I would have. I wish I had a more nurturing environment to right. the way that I, the, the way that my particular mind thought. Right, right, right. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and that way I would have been more susceptible to. Um, the actual lessons, and then also the arts, because I think I was just really big on arts and and highly distracted, and you know, you know, ADHD on top of everything. Well, you know, you know, you know, yeah. you know, the thing about it is that because your your age group gets criticized yeah. for being visionaries, uh-huh. for being not parent, not following the traditional path. Right. You know, my age group. You know, you're supposed to go to college, get the good job. Right. You know, then you raise your family, get a retirement. But all that starts being shattered. Yeah. Under your under your age yeah. group, you know, yeah. pensions and four hundred one ks and jobs that never laid you off or never fired you started firing you and yeah. companies started getting swallowed up. So you were educated that 
if there's no trust here, who do I trust but myself? But myself. But myself. I, I put it all on, on myself. I, I knew early on. My mom knew. My mom, my mom, my mom was always on, on me about, like, this is your dream. Mm-hmm. This is your dream. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, when you have your kids, you have your wife, right. they're going to look to you <laughs> why you, yeah. why you don't have this and that. Okay. Well, now we're going to look at this, this new CD. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. The title. Yes. Because it has a, a love slash D. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So it's two titles. Yes, I thought about right? it. Mm-hmm. To feel love, mm-hmm. to feel loved. That's right. That's I right. find that those are two different things. You know, you can, you can feel love. You can feel love and not feel loved, mm-hmm. or you can feel loved and not feel love, uh-huh. you know, in a sense of being able to reciprocate it, being a, in, a, in a sense of, you know, um, you know, it's around you, right? but you don't particularly feel it. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's something that may not be something you're, uh, about your surroundings mm-hmm. or it could be, mm-hmm. but it's also, it's, it's all, either way it is, it's a, it's a, you have to reflect on yourself. You have to look into yourself and find out what those issues are. Mm-hmm. And creating this album, that really was what it was about for me. I just was in that place of of not really feeling love or loved. And I definitely had love, have love around me and have always had love around me. Mm-hmm. It was just, I guess, a numbing that I was getting. Being in, part of it being in the business. Right. And having, and my life and you know, they say, you know, it's business and not personal, but as an artist, everything's personal. You better believe it. You know, so. Because we are, emo- we are emotional people. Yes. You know, it's really, it's really interesting when people, you know, when people look at, uh, at when I was a comedian or you are, mm-hmm. you're, you're an artist from a singing perspective, singing perspective people yeah. look at you and they go, you should be always happy. You should be somewhere writing a song. Or, right. I should be happy. Or, right. You know, dude, I see life differently. I yes. see. I see. I see. Probably more trouble than you see. I feel everything. <laughs> it, people don't. People really don't understand. I feel like my. I feel everything. I feel hurt. I can. I can feel joy. But I mean, there's a lot going on, and especially when you, when you're. You, in the business, it can be it can be tough when you're trying to really believe in yourself, push Absolutely. yourself, do something. Absolutely, and, and and you find yourself in a box. And I think this this album is a bridge, right? I, this is a bridge from that place to where I'm going, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, which is way more way more sweeter and and and, and freeing because this is, this is my new endeavor, mm-hmm. my first uh, record as an independent artist. There you go. You know, um, another I, fearless move. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I feel truly free i I, i'm i'm in a new i don't know i have a new life you know new career path Mm -hmm. that that is expanded i've always prayed right that Mm -hmm. that my uh that i can expand my that god allowed me to expand my territory and i didn't think it'd be like this Mm -hmm. but i'm grateful (laughs) it is (laughs) well this is you know i i I look at your, your great smile and uh and and your your passion and you're very honest you know about uh your pain yeah, because I think that if you, you if you tell the truth, then you'd have no reason to lie. Right. And I think that if if my story pushes you away, then you, I needed to. I want to you, tell my story lie. You needed to hear it. You needed to yeah. hear it. And so so when we look at the album, tell talk about some of the songs on the album. Why you approach the the music that mm-hmm. way? Because you, you you distinctly told us that there's two titles here. Yes. So there's two different tones that are being thrown out. Yes. Does that? How many? How many? How many cuts on the on the? Uh, nine cuts. Nine cuts. Nine cuts. <laughs> um, the you know one of them one of them uh, one of the songs uh, 
and it's a, it's more of a what you would call an interlude. For me, if I'm looking at it, looking at it like a play, then it's a it's an intermission. Right. Um. And this 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 intermission is called gratitude. Right. And it came about um, in a in a moment, a real honest moment, uh, where I needed to remind myself how grateful, how blessed I am. Right. 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 You know. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, we all get in our heads, and we all think everything seems seems like everything is wrong and not right. And at some point, you know, and and a lot of times in those moments, you got you got to take a breather. Everything is totally fine. That, that's champagne problems. That is really nothing to really allow the rest of the day to go bad. So in that moment, I happened to be in the booth in the studio, feeling that way. And <laughs> you, you funny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I asked the uh, asked the engineer to give me a blank slate, man. I just need I just need a yell right now. And I just started screaming, <laughs> "I am blessed, blessed, blessed." I am blessed, blessed, blessed. And and that became, I was like, wow, this is affirmation. This is something I need. This an is anthem. An mm-hmm. anthem. Mm-hmm. And it's for me. Again, this this album is per- very personal. These songs, for, so from that song, that, that's a, that was a moment that I felt like I needed and I needed to constantly hear that and why not make a song about it. And then, wow, I think other people would need the same thing. Uh, moving on to another song called Traveling, where... I travel a lot. My life mm-hmm. is like on the road all the time and I'm always in a hotel, a new hotel all the time. I wish I've kept the keys from each hotel. I, I can it isn't the worst uh, when you wake <laughs> up and you go, where am I at? Yes. That's, that's horrible. I'm man. always, I'm all, wait, <laughs> wait, 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 where? Where again? What t- I don't even ask about the time. I don't even know. I don't know what the timetable is here. I'm just here. You know, and so that, I created a song called Traveling because I just thought, you know, I spend a lot of my times in in a hotel and and when you don't know where else to go for me my imagination runs wild right and i i i wanted to write something that was very cerebral and and kind of spoke to that that essence of of just um going on a voyage mentally thinking putting yourself where you want to be thinking 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 it first and then somehow you appear there which i think that's a manifestation i think that's the power of that i think i think that's you have to work on that and constantly build that your your manifesto up. Now this uh, sold out show, yes. masquerade. It's a tour, right? It is a tour. It's a promo tour. This is this is a t- small, intimate settings, so I can get reconnected with my my day ones and my new fans, mm-hmm. and and also this is new music. Right. I want to I want to I want to perform and and work on these records in front of people. But in a smaller setting, we'll get bigger, we'll get larger. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But, but right now, I just want to touch you know, the people. You know, I want to see them. Because I'm telling you, when I had Patti LaBelle on the when oh, my wow. album came out, uh, what about a year and a half ago, she wanted to do a small tour. Yeah. Because she wanted to touch the people. Yeah. You know, intimate. She was she because you are you. It's really interesting, man. Because you know, I've been in Madison Square Garden. That's, mm-hmm. You know, nineteen thousand people. I've been in the the Phillips Arena, fifteen thousand yeah. people. Yeah. And so I know what you. You can just because I'm they may, they laughing way back up there up there. I can remember I started in an eighty-eight seat club. Yeah, yeah, which is way more challenging. Way more. Which challenging. you can see the eyeballs all the way to the back yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so when they nod their head, you can see all of them nod is their it, head. Is it on? And, is it working? Is it not? Right, 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 right. <laughs> and that's that's a beautiful feeling. And yeah. so so I can I can understand why you you're doing this type of tour because you have the right to do that. Yeah, you have the right to test yourself. You have the yes. right to expand. What's inside you? What you feel is yes. right, and a lot of people go. Let's go for the bigger opportunity. Yeah. Let's go for this. No, I'm, no. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you something. Man. You could when you you're gonna fall back. We all fall back. Yeah, but 
but you got to know how to get up. You have to. And this right here, yeah, giving you the tools of how to how stay to, up. Yes, right. That's right. Stay up. One hundred percent. Stay up. One hundred percent. Now I'll be remiss if I don't talk about the shy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Chicago. Let's get into it. Okay. Now the character you playing uh, the little kid with the with the with the dreads, right? So I play his older, older brother. brother. Now I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. That little kid, which I love, because yeah. he runs with the little young yes, kid yes, and little yes, chubby yes. kid. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, and uh, when he pulled out that gun, man. See, see, I was always I've always been worried about that kid. I mean, it, if you have not seen the shot, Luke James, mm -hmm. you're coming on this season mm -hmm. as the older brother, and uh, the story. Uh, really, I I really cater to these three boys because I'm always afraid for them. Mm -hmm. Because if you know anything about Chicago, Chicago in the summertime is like, dude, it's like uh, dead man walking for a young black youth, especially around Fourth of July, the holidays for some reason. And I know that. Yeah. And so when I look at this show, I see this innocence, mm -hmm. and then I see, then I see what could possibly go wrong for the innocence. Yeah. Then I so to me this character is perfect for you yeah. playing the older brother. Absolutely, because you got a younger brother who thinks he knows. Oh yeah, he, th he thinks he knows everything, mm -hmm. and I, I'm the brother that has been through it already. Absolutely, I've seen it already. Mm -hmm. I've been I've been to the dark side. I've been near death, and I don't want that for him. Right, and so I come in. I come in by any means necessary to get my little brother out of it to save him from this. That's mate, you know. Now you know where he's at now. Yeah, you know if he's if he's willing to pack a gun. Yeah, yeah. He he's a man in his eyes. Right. And so your advice that you're going to give, I'm just telling yeah. you, we don't have to look at the episode. If you if you're a fan of the show, yeah, I know what you're walking into. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Where were you at? That's the yeah. number one statement that's coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Where were you at? That that was that. I mean, 100 percent right. It was a fight. It's a fight. It's it's definitely a fight because my character is the type of character that's just his way. You know, he. I mean, they they have similar mentalities. Yes, they have very similar mentalities. My way is the only way. Right. You right. know, and and luckily, my character has a has a um has 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 a love that that is very supportive to him, but also to keep him to remind him of his younger self and no and and to remind him that you can't just approach your little brother <laughs> the way you think you as your little brother right. you must ha you must approach him as another man you know it's really interesting because mm -hmm. i have i have six sisters and two brothers and uh one of my younger brothers i didn't realize how much how much he depended on my guidance mm -hmm. in some ways i may have failed him you know i have to mm -hmm. say that honestly because i just i dude i was trying to live i was trying right. to grow up i right. wish i was trying to find out how to, to be a man yeah. you know and so that's why this character, I'm really interested in watching and, and seeing you mm -hmm. in person here. I'm really interested yeah. because you have some nice and tangible as a human being. Thank you. And I know you're going to bring that to that role. Yeah. And, you know, it's because when I say that, there's an innocence and there's also a pain because of the fact that you made mistakes because you're trying to find yourself. Yeah. People guided you the wrong way. Yeah. Now this kid is coming along, this kid being your younger brother going, you weren't there. Right. Okay, why should I listen to you? Okay, what can you do to make my life better? Right. That's a challenge, man. That's a, like a foot in the face. Really, I mean, truly, I mean, this is what, what, what you see is you. It's a, it's the hard truth. It's a really true, <laughs> it's a really true hard, hard truth because, I mean, a lot of a lot of men, we go through we go through that and we, we have to. It's a, I, I find that it's a good opportunity for, for to be able to show someone reaching back someone having that that experience and trying their hardest 
to not stay stay in that experience and to pull someone out of it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. not just to, but you know, because he, it feels like he's just about his brother, but he cares about his brother's friends mm-hmm. because his brother cares about his friends. So right. wherever his friends go, he knows his little brother will go. So I need to care about his his friends too to make sure they're out of trouble and and understand what's what's at stake and not to play these games. But it's um. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to play this particular role in this character, because um, I've grown up around people like this, right? And people who have been through these things, and 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 because in some ways, New Orleans oh, is one, just a southern version of 100%, Chicago. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I, real black people, one hundred percent. Very community, very soul food is yes. a big thing yeah. in Chicago as well as in New Orleans. Yeah, you know, yeah. community. Yes. You know, uh, the hood, yes. The, the stand in it, yes, and, and, and being Gov- proud of it. Government influence, all of that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know. So I, that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. I'm excited about yeah. uh, seeing you on this role this year. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to close and say this. You know, intros are what they are. They talked about, they talk about what you accomplished. Yeah. But as we do, as we walk through this interview, mm-hmm. you see what you are accomplishing now. Yeah. And so, see, that's the merge of that's the, that's the value of success. Absolutely. You know, you know, we, we got to mention what you did. Yeah. But you always want to talk about what you're doing. Yeah. You're doing a soul without tour. That's right. Okay. You're doing the shot. The shot. You, do, you got a CD out there now. Mm-hmm. And you're a chocolate drop. I'm a chocolate drop. <laughs> I mean, what is there to complain about? Life is so <laughs> Life is so good. Oh, my man. Two-time Grammy-nominated Luke James. My next guest is the Associate Professor of Sports Management and Associate Dean for Diversity and Inclusion in the College of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M. Again, Texas A&M. See, I'm from the University of Houston, so, you know, I know about that, that, that Texas A&M experience. The College of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M has a mission of enriching and transforming lives through education and health and developing leaders and professionals in education, sport, business, healthcare, and related fields and industries. He's on the show today to discuss his new book, Race, Sports, and Education, Improving Opportunities and Outcomes for Black Male College Athletes. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Dr. John Singer. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to have this conversation. Well, I'm going to tell you, after reading the book, I, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Dr. Harry Everett's, in the book, we were talking, we were referencing the book I'm saying is the uh, book called Race, Sports, and Education. He, this book is about black male college athletes, and he suggested that you should include the, the female experience of the black female college athlete. And your reasoning for just going male was why? Well, I think for me, being that this was my first foray into a, an authored book, it was personal for me. I mean, as a black male myself who had hope, dreams, and aspirations as a little boy growing up in Benton Harbor, Michigan, and as someone who has worked more closely with this particular population into my college years and graduate studies and now as a faculty member, it was just important for me to, to write about what I knew and what I was most passionate about at this moment in my, my career. So that's kind of why I I went against the sage wisdom and advice of Dr. Edwards, and for this particular <laughs> project, I had to stick with what what was my passion. Well, you know, you 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 know, he, he is the like what say the uh, the uh, the Messiah of this particular uh, field of a uh, uh, study. You know, uh, when you think about him at the forefront of politics and and, and black studies and 
especially from an athletic standpoint. You know, whenever you look at ESPN, is you would always they would always hunt him down. What is what does Doctor right. Harry Edwards have to say? What is he speaking about? And and when you look at the footage of him from the sixties, he looks the same. He just has gray in his in his uh, mustache and his goatee, but he's still brilliant. What what when, when we're gonna get to your book? But a person like that, what impact does he have on a person like you? Yeah, so I remember seeing him like in interview clips when I was an undergrad at Michigan State, and I I just found myself fascinated with him. I was like, man, he comes out of that tradition of the civil rights movement, right. Malcolm X's and, you know, the Black Panthers, but he, he tied his activism to the context of sport, which really kind of got my attention as a young, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, going through undergrad. And right. so it's amazing that, you know, 20 plus years later, not only am I interacting with him, but he's endorsing my book. So he certainly planted a seed in me, I would say, that has started to germinate at this moment in my, my journey. Now, this book, who are you trying to reach with this book as far as readers are concerned? Right. So there's a couple different audiences. Um, first and foremost, the athletes themselves. And this right. can include athletes beyond just black males because I think there's a message in this book if you really pay attention to the nuances and the narratives of the black males that I do feature in the book, there's something in there, I think, for all athletes who are traveling, you know, from high school into college sports. But more specifically, I really want to reach the decision makers. Right. Those individuals who are setting policies at the NCAA and and member institution level, those who are the practitioners working more directly day-to-day with these athletes, whether it's academic support for athletics or faculty on these university campuses. So I'm really looking to, re- and for that matter, people in secondary education who are responsible for preparing these athletes for higher education. So those are my, my primary audiences. Um, and then, of course, the lay audience, people who are just interested in, in the topic and, and sport and, and education will also find, I think, some value in this book. Well, they're what I call industry decision makers, influencers, people who can That's shape right. the way uh, uh, people think, uh, the, the decisions they can make about their future or, the, or, the, or how they're living currently. And so the, the book I found uh, fascinating reading, especially we're going we're gonna to get to chapters two and three in a minute, but I want to talk about the black barbershop. You know, I did a show on MTV called The Barbershop, and it, and it was about entertainment and uh, one of the things about the black barbershop is that, you know, you, you're going to get your share of sports, you're going to get your share of politics, and you're going to get your share of entertainment. What was your take That's right. on the black barbershop? Because uh, this is the fun part, you know, of, of, of our conversation. And I, I enjoyed the reading of the book. But when you, when you get into that barbershop, it's a different space there, man. <laughs> oh, man, you know, and it's, it's my good <laughs> friend and brother, Rich Milner, actually wrote the series forward uh, for the book. And he, he talked about the black barber shop and the beauty shop and how his observations in that space really speak to, I mean, there's a lot of theorizing. I mean, I know we as academics as scholars, we, you know, we pride ourselves and, you know, engaging with theory to make sense of the world. But in the black barber shop, that's exactly what you get. It's not in a formal sense, but certainly you have people with keen insights into these issues. So the black barber shop, even my current barber, um, you know, 
knows something about sport. Right. You know, and, and, and the patrons sitting around waiting for their haircuts. You start talking about sport, boy, you see a different type of <laughs> excitement and, and, and whatnot in that space. So absolutely. And I was glad that, that Brother Rich, Dr. Brother Rich Milner, uh, used that metaphor to introduce my book in, the, in, his, in his race and education series for Harvard Education Press. Well, you know, it's really funny, you know, because uh, the, the movie that uh, Ice Cube made and, of course, uh, Cedric the Entertainer started in the very first barbershop was the closest version, the very first one. All those are good, but the very first one was the closest version of walking into a typical black barbershop, you know, opinionated. You always got somebody who's bigger than life in there, and you always have people who sit around inputting information. You have young generations because people, women were bringing their young kids or the fathers are bringing their kids for their first haircuts, and you have older generation people sitting in there. And it, so it allows you to think about so many different layers of experiences that you can get just by walking in there. And it's all tied to sports. And sports is such a, uh, it, it crosses racial lines, but it is racial. You know, whether it's the black quarterback situation or the, the you know, I was watching ESPN last night. They did this special called the year of the black quarterback. You know, when you talk about Russell mm. Wilson, you talk about Patrick Mahomes, you talk about Lamar Jackson, who, who's unanimous MVP. And there was a guy who was the fifth quarterback drafted in the year he was drafted. And so because people thought he should be actually trying out for to be a wide receiver and not be trying trying out to be a quarterback. And so, you know, these, these individuals who are changing the game, how does that affect your book? Yeah, that's interesting. One of the, I believe it was in chapter two, the case study I did, uh, one of the athletes featured in that case study Talks Talked about, about that, that how, mm-hmm. how, you know, even his college coach, you know, they were bringing in a white quarterback and a black quarterback. That was Mark. And, that was Mark. Mm-hmm. funnel that black quarterback with the label of athlete, you mm-hmm. know, when clearly from the perspective of this young man that I feature in Chapter mm-hmm. 2, mm-hmm. he was the best quarterback and best athlete on the team, and right. he didn't understand why coaches wanted to limit his access to that quarterback leadership decision-making position. So certainly – the athletes that I've engaged with in my research recognize the very point that you're making. Well, you know, I think that a book like yours has to be written and has to be, you know, we can't all have, we have to have factual information about what is really going on out there. And uh, when I was reading your book and like, see, you, 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 you follow three characters because you didn't really give detail on exactly who they were or exactly what college they played on or exactly what pro team they played on. But you shared their position in college. You shared their position when they left college. And uh, the three characters played a major role in how each transitioned away from the sport based on how the sport treated them. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and, and it's really important that people understand that sports is such a, um, a, a, you know, everybody wants to be the next, you know, Russell Wilson or the next, you know, Jerry Rice or the next. But then you have this, this, this collegiate force or this college force out there. And you said the HWCU and I really versus the HBCU because those are two options mm-hmm. right there. But they are perceived options for success. When I say HWCU, we're talking about historical white college and universities. And you have HBCU, historical, historical black college and university. Explain those dynamics for us, my listeners. Yeah. So, I mean, if you really think about prior to the late 1960s and early 1970s, that's where the black talent 
really emerged. You talk about Jerry Rice. I mean, he was a, he's a product of an HBCU. Absolutely. And many of the greats prior to the late 60s, early 70s, when Harry Edwards was writing about this stuff, when he first began writing about this stuff, all the black talent was there. But once these historically white institutions began to realize there was gold in them, their heels, as they say, <laughs> that's when they started cherry picking the best and the brightest. As historian Gerald Ely talked about, it was a, HBO did a documentary in the late nineties called the journey of the African-American athlete. And he talked about this mass, uh, influx of black athletes into these historical institutions in the early seventies. And the real key moment was in 1973. They talked about in this documentary when Sam Bam Cunningham. That's right. Came down to Alabama, Alabama. He went down and just ran all over a Paul Bear Bryant's all white Alabama squad. You had the Alabama fans in the stands as the late great Eddie Robinson said, talking about get us one, get us one, (laughs) talking about a black athlete, you know, to, to, to dominate. And the next year, Alabama certainly brought in Wilbur Jackson. Absolutely. And just let everybody know about that game. USC dominant West Coast College, University of Southern California. And Sam Bam Cunningham, when you give him a ball, he'd leap over the line. He wouldn't run through the line. Mm. He'd leap over it. And so so it was like there was nothing we'd ever seen in college football. And to do it against, you know, the vaunted or the legendary, you know, Bear Bryant team was was incredible. And also, you know, the Nebraska team led by Johnny Rogers. And uh, those teams – changed the way people saw black athletes. And then then when Jimmy Johnson went down to Miami and found the, the, the southern version, the southern tip of uh, Florida where all the black athletes that nobody wanted to recruit that had all the speed, that's really started changing the face. But then they called the athletes that he recruited convicts. Mm. They called the athletes that Notre Dame recruited Catholics. And so, hmm. so they, 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 they named them. So, so when I started reading your book, you know, it, it just started bringing back memories, doctor. You know, so, so oh, I, I, you know, you, I'm one of those industry decision makers. See, this is impromptu information you're giving me that I'm just, I'm just expounding. I'm just letting you know how important that your, your book is and needs to be, be, be studied, but also served because sociology changed my life. We're going to be back in a minute on our next break because you got me fired up, Doc. You got me fired up, man. This book is a, is a, is a great read. I'm talking about a book. I'm talking to Dr. John Singer. His book, Improving Opportunities and Outcomes for Black Male College Athletes. We'll be right back we'll with right more Money Making Conversations. Yeah. From Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. Hi, you're listening to Money Making Conversation. I'm the host, Rashawn McDonald. I'm speaking to Dr. John Singer. He has a book called Race sports and education and improving opportunities and outcomes for black male college athletes. Uh, my show is about entertainment. My show is about entrepreneurship. Um, I, I feel this, the, the topic that you're talking about is about money. It's about how the, uh, the institution we call the NCAA. Uh, uh, some people call it a money-making institution. Some people have called it a plantation. Some people have called it an environment. But I, I, I feel that 
yes, you can say that, but it also impacts white students as well, white student athletes as well. And so, but we're talking about the black student athlete. And so you track three different uh, talents in your book. Why did you choose these three individuals and why were their stories so unique to your book? Well, interesting, right? So that particular, so that you're talking about chapter two in the book is really is, um, that chapter is based on my dissertation work. Um, and one of the reasons I don't, you kind of mentioned earlier in, the, in our conversation that I don't give specifics about the institution. That's because of IRB um, protocol at universities where you have to protect the, the confidentiality mm-hmm. of your research participants. Mm-hmm. But this research that I feature of these three black males, one of the reasons I chose them in particular is because they expressed an interest in the topic. So I had a connection with one of the brothers who was an academic uh, counselor in, in the athletic department, and he told these particular athletes about my, my, my dissertation research, and, and they were very interested in, in, in sharing their story and their voices and, and cre- helping to create knowledge around the topic. So that's kind of why those particular individuals made it into the book, because they were willing participants and wanted to share this critical conversation that we had that formed the basis of, of chapter and all, and all three of them played football, college football. All three of them played football. They were all high level recruits. You know, they were they were high level blue chip athletes coming out of uh, high school, and they all at some point in time had a, a, a stint in the NFL beyond their their college days. They were that talented um, on the field field of play to the point where they all got a shot with varying degrees of success at the NFL level. But I love the fact that they all arrived in different ways. One was a free agent, one was drafted in the later rounds, and one was drafted in the early rounds. And we all know that that's a salary tied to that. And uh, two of them became uh, in, in the fields of, in the, are in the field of acting and one in the field of sales. And so, yep. it, which, which, which is really interesting because in my, in my, I'm running into more and more athletes. Uh, the gentleman who won an Oscar, Matthew Cherry was a former mm. professional football player. And so, so I'm running into more and more athletes, and, I, and I'm really, reason I, reason I'm really excited about communicating with you because I'm, I'm really involved in a lot of HBCU activity, right? you know, trying to really uh, build the brand and the awareness of what HBCUs are bringing to the table, not only in athletics but academics. But also, your book is about branding and marketing too because it's about perception because that when you start because that's why a lot of kids go to a uh, 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 historical white college or, or university because of the fact that it's perception that I can get drafted or I get a better opportunity to uh, to be seen on TV that's important to these young people today as it is in the past correct oh yeah absolutely and that conversation has come up in my not only in my formal research with black male athletes but also when I was a uh, uh, academic uh, advisor and mentor of a summer bridge program, a lot of them did struggle with the decision to say, hey, I, I want to consider HBCU, but I know where I'm at in my career, <laughs> where we're at in society, it, it behooves me to go to the historically white college because of the, the media visibility, the platform, the resources to get me to the next level. So I've had many conversations with black male athletes over the years about that you know, decision mm-hmm. to consider HBCUs, but to look at the platform and the resources that these historically white college universities e- even, even though it's been proven that if you do have the talent, you know, uh, Steve McNair, HBCU graduate, 
at quarterback, Tennessee Titans. Uh, Doug Williams, of course, Grambling. Um, Jerry Rice, Mississippi, uh, Valley State, I believe. And then also mm-hmm. recently uh, the, the Houston Texans uh, drafted a young man out of, I believe, South Carolina State, uh, offensive tackle mm-hmm. uh, from our HBCU school. So, and then also Darius Leonard, last year, he uh, was a uh, HBCU grad and made the Pro Bowl. So, we're starting to see, and also I know that the NFL is now holding a separate HBCU college uh, combine. So, so it's a lot of things that are happening that may cause that shift. may not be dramatically, but if, it, if that shift started to happen, what would that do in the, in the book that you've written, would it, would, it be, would it be a good thing if that shift started happening towards HBC, so the HBCU starting to see more quality talent to attend or just status quo? Well, that's, it, that's a very interesting question because I talk a little bit about that in the conclusion of my book, right, mm-hmm. where that's a consideration that we have to think about. I think about my dear sister, Jamel Hill, who is a fellow Michigan State Spartan alum. We were there in the early 90s (laughs) at the same time. Mm -hmm. She talks about that, how now is the time for us to seriously consider that. It's interesting. This Thursday, February 13th, I'm giving a talk about my book at Prairie View A&M. Fred Bonner has what he called the Building on Resilience lecture series, and he asked me to come and talk about my book and, and, you know, implications it has for college sports, widely speaking. And so – I think it's time to have that conversation. And in light of what Harry Edwards refers to as the fourth wave of athlete activism, right. where athletes are now any corporations in their own right, you know, I mean, with the social media, media platform, these athletes are being more empowered to, to control their own, you know, Voice. brand and mm-hmm. destiny. So mm-hmm. I think it's a serious conversation that we can't, ignore and just dismiss as oh, it'll never be possible because the allure of HWCUs is just too powerful. I think that, I don't know, the conversation is, 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 is ripe and to be had. Well, it's, it's right to be had, but will it be, you know, achieved? And I'm not, look, out, look I'm not trying to shut down uh, my school, the University of Houston. I'm just trying to let individuals know there are options. And sometimes right. people don't look at HBCU as an option. And I'm just letting people know that if you're talented and you want to be in, and you do the right things in life, then guess what? You can participate in the sport, especially in football. Now, that's not showing up in baseball. That's not showing up in basketball like that. But in football, it's proven that if you got the talent, they will find you. And you can also – and, and that's, that's very true. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. So I, I referee high school and college basketball here in Texas when I'm not doing my university work. And one of my fellow – co-officials has a son who is, you know, senior this year being recruited. And I don't know if he signed on signing day, February 5th, but he told me after his son read my book, he is seriously now considering going to an HBCU after reading my book. I mean, I, that really did my heart good when I got that text message from him, from him saying that, you know, because he's considering, you know, some of the, some of the major division one schools here in the state of Texas, but now, you know, the Texas Southerns and the Prairie Views, are in, in the conversation for this young man and his family. Well, and so that, that really was good. Because, you know, I don't care where you're at. Okay, let's, let's look at the, 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 the college world that's out there. You know, if, you, if you're in the traditional H, uh, 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 historical white colleges, okay, that means that even there, you have the power five. 
the Power Five conferences. And then, like, I go to the University of Houston. There's now the Power Five conference. You know, it's a lesser conference. So even in that world, there's divisions. They're saying you're better. You can you can hang out down there. You have the Division Two. You have Division One playoff systems. And then you have HBCU. So no matter where you go, there are going to be opportunities for you, and you could be perceived like, uh, for instance, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver, when he signed with the University of Houston, and, he, and they, they said, why? That's not a power five school. He'll never make it. Guess what? He wound up being the number nine pick in the draft because his talent yeah, still, he still gave 100% effort. He still shined. And so I'm just letting everybody know when I read your book, not only were you supplying with me with information, but you also were affirming what I believe. If you if you make the right effort, if you put yourself in the right support system, and then don't let people sway you with negativity, then you can follow your dreams no matter where it leads you. That's what the basis of your book is, correct? That's right. And these athletes nowadays, they want to get on the field or the court. They want to have opportunities to play, and, and, and maybe it's a situation where they realize, hey, let me let me come on home. One of my doctors and I <laughs> right. did a one of my doctors and I did a study where she, you know she, we looked at a young man. He was a five star recruit coming out of high school who started at Alabama, but eventually ended up at at uh, Winston Salem State University. Right. And we 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 framed that we did we presented that at a conference. And we framed it redefining the conveyor belt. You know William Roden's term and how these athletes are recruited from their communities from early age on through, you know, high school into college and how this particular young man redefined the conveyor belt and, and, and looking at his story and talking about how he, you know, ended up at home at the end of the day when he was in that space called Winston-Salem State University. Even though there wasn't the accolades attached to it that an Alabama provides, at the end of the day, as a man, he found that landing spot that he, where he finished his career to be, you know, best comfortable. for him going comfortable. forward. Let's, let's put it comfortable and relatable because that's what it's all about. I, You know, in the end, man, if you're trying to pursue your dreams, and I say who I'm speaking to is Dr. John Singer. Uh, um, his book is about, it's about letting people know that as a black athlete, your experience is different and it should be acknowledged because you talk about – more college professors, you talk about tutors, you talk about mentors, because, you know, you, you're thrown into a world that's really not trying to adjust for you. And that's really what can happen to students. And so that's all I'm saying is that, sure, you can be recruited, sure, you can go to the school, but is it is it accepting who you are as a person where in a much smaller environment, they can allow you to grow as a person. Cause that's all you want when you go to college, you want growth. You want an opportunity to walk away and be a successful person in a field that is not athletically driven. And that's what the three people that you chose and which I liked because, you know, one, he left, he was a free agent, you know, he had a family, but he still went to LA and guess what? He's a, he's working as a successful actor. And then one, right. he was a, he's a late round draft pick, but he saved his money, played several years in the NFL. And then he doesn't have a wife or a kid, so but he saved his money, so he's out there. But he's not, he's not effectively pursuing his career like he want at the pace that he want. But at least he's doing it. And then the other one is a salesman. He's out there using his academic training, using his the things that he learned by going to the school and allowing him to live a successful life. But that's all you want from a college from college education. That's all the opportunity you want. College does college owe you anything, doctor? 
Well, you know, one of the things that and I talk about this in the book, Harry Edwards says, is that at the end of the day, education is an activist pursuit, right? And if you don't, as an individual, even though there's issues that we can talk about with the system and the structure, if you as an individual don't prioritize that, that's on you. Yes. So I think, you know, that's one of the messages I do want people to take from the book as well, is that I'm very, as Harry Edwards said in his endorsement of my book, I'm very hard on the system and, and my critique of it, but I'm also uh, cognizant of the fact that the individual has to step up and make it their education a priority and an activist pursuit. So, In other words, what you're saying is if somebody yeah. gives you an opportunity, take advantage of it. Because the three people that volunteered to be a part of your research, they use their athleticism to be educated. And I feel they're living good lives because they were able to go to college. But the, the athleticism wasn't the end all. It was just a that's step right. to a better life. And that's what, that was my biggest takeaway from your book. And the book I'm talking about is Race, Sports, and Education, Improving Opportunities, which what college education can do and outcomes for black male college athletes. My man, Dr. John Singer. Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, please tell everybody how they can uh, locate your book. Do you have a website, your social media information? Oh, yeah. Well, the best way probably is just to go directly to uh, either Harvard Education Press website or either Amazon. That's that's really the the, the popular way to, to get the book um, at this point. Uh, I am on Twitter. I'm, I am on Facebook. Um, so I don't have a website at this point for the book, but as I talk more about this book and and uh, it gets more attention, I will be setting that type of thing up. So, Well, my job is to give you attention, sir, because I enjoyed it and I wish you good luck. I always know that Rashawn McDonald is a friend of yours and your book has only opened my eyes to let me know that I'm going to continue to fight, but college changed my life. I didn't play sports, but if I didn't go to college, if I didn't pursue the opportunities that college presented to me, I would not be the man I am today. My next guest is going to talk about his New York City's destination for mind, body, spirit transformation. Again, mind, body, spirit transformation. He is a celebrity fitness trainer, ordained minister, former ballet dancer, wellness expert, motivational speaker, founder, owner of Brace Life Studios, and founder of the 28-Day Challenge Wellness Program. He is known in the fitness community as the mind, body, soul connector. He has been seen on Good Morning America, The View, the Food Network, Shape Magazine, Self Magazine, New York Daily News, Bloomberg Business Week, and BET.com. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation for the very first time, Mr. Robert Brace. Uh, hey, Sean, thank you for having me on. Has a lady out there, man. You got a lot of things going on in your life, man. That's what the credits are all about, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been busy, but it's been good. God, it's been good for sure. Okay, uh, got to give us the background on the accent. Okay, I am originally from London, England, and I uh, moved to New York uh, in my 20s uh, to be a professional ballet and modern dancer. So uh, that's, where, that's where the accent comes from. <laughs> now, I was reading your bio, it's a, a soloist ballet dancer. Yes, I was a soloist at the Metropolitan Opera Ballet. Um, I, that was one of the things I did during my career. I, I actually came on scholarship to the Alvin Ailey School right. uh, just for the summer. I was supposed to go back to England, and uh, I just never made it back. I've been here ever since. So, um, uh, so yeah. 
Well, you know, I, I reason I brought that up, soloist, you know, that you have to by yourself. That means that you're no slouch. You have to have your skill game together. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, coming to New York, you, you have to. I mean, New York is a, New York is a beast. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to compete here and especially to come from another country, you got to be serious about your game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was good. I had a good time performing in New York. Well, great. Uh, New York is one of my favorite cities. It was the funny story I want to share with you. I was in New York uh, yesterday uh, being interviewed by London Real, my man Brian Rose. He was in town. Huh. And... Uh, he was doing an interview on one uh, 102 Mulberry Street. And I realized oh, that you're... I said, I said I, now, you know, I do all my, my research, and I looked up, and I went, I think Robert, Robert Price is on the street at 132. So I rolled down to 132. You're right above Umberto's Clam House. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sweet 2E, walked up the stairs at one level, knocked on the door, uh, rung the bell a couple of times, you know. Didn't want to be oh, no. banging, 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 banging. And I said, okay. <laughs> I was up surprised with a good story that I, oh, you know, that's how I am, man. I, I'm, I, I try to really oh. relate to the people who come on my show if I have time to, to go by and shake oh, their yeah. hands and say hi. That's all I was doing yesterday. Oh, awesome, man. Next time you're in town, you got to stop by, man. That would have that, that been great. <laughs> well, like I said, it was impromptu because of the fact that yeah. uh, my original interview was at one and then it was that big parade that was going on in that area yesterday uh, and they pushed it down to three o'clock so they can avoid the noise and that allowed me to really sit down and research where I was at and I just noticed your address and I went I gotta at least I gotta at least tell him I came by at least <laughs> even if I don't That's see him awesome. now now why did you choose your studio location at uh, 132 Mulberry Street Unit 2E you said, yes, uh, 132 Marbury Street, uh, uh, number two. You said, why did I choose that location? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Uh, well, we originally were in Soho, and I had two partners. And um, great people, but their, their business was more Pilates, and it wasn't really, uh, really aligned with what we were doing. And um, we came to the end of our lease. Now, one of the things that's unique about our business, uh, which we're very proud of, we train all Everybody's welcome or inclusive. Right. But we have a very strong um, African-American, high-performing female clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, you know, we'll get into it in a bit. I imagine that we're about the mind, body, and soul. Combining Absolutely. All three. Absolutely. So with my career as a dancer, and then um, I was also uh, a minister in Harlem mm-hmm. uh, for six years. That's where, where I met my wife. I wanted a space where we could explore how to connect mind, body, and soul in a place that um, especially uh, black women, women of color could feel safe. Right. And, um, you know, Nolita uh, is a great location. People can get to it from anywhere, um, our, our specific location. And, um, you know, and more practically, it was one of the only spaces in New York that already had the soundproofing um, mm. Mm. Uh, already built in, so I saved uh, quite a, a bit of money doing that. <laughs> but uh, but that was it. That was it. Now you you saying something interesting. You say, "Well, women of color can feel safe." What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, listen. Um, a few things. One, I'll tell the story. Um, Deborah Lee, uh, who's you know former CEO of BET, she invited me to do a. Uh, a wellness workshop. She has this uh, conference call, Leading Women Defined. It's uh, 150 of the highest profile women in business and entertainment and philanthropy. So right. um, we, we went out there and uh, I did a workshop, which was uh, 
fitness, but there was also meditation, there was also affirmations, um, it was very spiritual as well. And in that, um, in that workshop, we had, I had people coming up to me um, uh, crying and saying, thank you so much uh, for seeing us. Thank you so much for thinking about us. And then when I go to events, we'd have different corporate partners. We had uh, partners with the Athletic Store, we've done stuff with Reebok, Lulu Lemon. And then, um, again, women coming up and saying, you know, we don't have a place that we can go that celebrates us. That celebrates right. our connection, uh, uh, who we are, um, where our bodies, we don't have to feel like we are other. And, um, and so for me, it's, um, it's just a badge of honor to be able to support uh, black women. Um, and look, we have an incredible clientele. Like I said, Deborah Lee, uh, Angela Rye, June Ambrose. Um, we have all of these fantastic women. Lisa Price, our yes. Carol's daughter. And so if... Don't forget Deja Vu, my girl at WBLS, Deja Vu. Oh, no, Deja Vu. Deja Vu's been with us from day one. Yes. When uh, we had no gym, we we, we were just in, you know, renting out spaces. Deja Vu is awesome. Yeah. Um, So shout out to her. Um, She's doing awesome things as well. But, but yeah, we, um, they felt like they wanted a community that celebrated them. And we even created a book. Uh, called The Magic, which celebrates the wellness journeys of, of black women. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, that's that's a badge of honor for us. Look, I'm married to a beautiful black woman. I've mm-hmm. got two beautiful black daughters. My <laughs> wife is also an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I see daily uh, the struggle uh, that she goes with in yes. terms of... Um, uh, doing doing what she needs to do out there with her business, but mm-hmm. also managing her stress levels and right. all of that. So mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by it. Right. So uh, it, it's just you know something I'm very passionate about. Well, you should stay that way. I have six sisters, so I uh, I feel oh. and, uh, and can relate to being able to uh, their pain. Their, their pain as women, mm-hmm. their pain as African American or Black women is a different mm-hmm. experience, and it should be understood as a different experience. It should be understood. It needs to be communicated differently, handled differently and realize that their challenges uh, should be recognized and also appreciated mm-hmm. their efforts to overcome those challenges. And, uh, Absolutely. and that's part of the whole mind, body, and soul connector, you know, that you have that, that that's your moniker, known in the fitness community as the mind, body, soul connector. Talk about that. Yes. Well, I think when it comes to mind, body, and soul, it can almost seem ethereal, like you, you can't put your finger on exactly what it is. Right. And so I think it's really important to clearly define it for people and make the connection. And so what, what I mean in the most basic form is this. You know, I, like I said, I have a, a church background. And when you think of any kind of faith-based organization, um, or doesn't have to be an organization, any spiritual part, right, what people are typically looking for is uh, spiritual qualities like joy, like peace, a sense of control over their life a sense of control over their mind and clear thinking. And so we, we go to these, uh, go to, on the spiritual path in search of these qualities. Right. What I found when I was dancing and when I started to move is that I would, I would be feeling these things, but I just thought it was because I was enjoying my dance career or living <laughs> my life. Mm-hmm. But once you really connect with movement, you start to understand that when you move, your body produces serotonin. Serotonin is known as the joy hormone because it uh, produces joy. So if you've ever had a workout and you come out feeling great about yourself, that's the serotonin one. 
Endorphins are also produced when you work out. And endorphins are known to give you a sense of calm and peace and actually relieve the symptoms of uh, depression and anxiety as much as prescription meditation. So you move your body, you, you work out, you get joy, you get peace. Exercise gives you a, a, um, gives, increases the prioritizing function of your brain. So if you are prone to eating too much, shopping too much, whatever too much, and you need a sense of control over your life and your decisions, exercise does that for you. It gives you and also more oxygen to the brain so you can think more clearly as could go on. But those qualities of joy, of peace, sense of control, clear thinking can all be accessed through the temple of your body. And um, what we try to do in, in our workouts is everything from when you walk in, uh, the energy-producing drink that you're given, the workout that you're given where you're connecting with other people, increasing that sense of joy, love, and connection. Right. We meditate at the end of every single workout. Mm. Um, the juices we give at the end are to give you that sense of control over your appetite and, um, and a sense of calm over your well-being. So... Um, even at the end of each session, we meditate, uh, we give uh, our clients cooling eye gel masks to help calm their spirit, they get uh, chilled. You know, I like the fact time. that, can I just tell you this, uh, Robert, that whole meditating thing I think is important, because I'm a guy, I'm just talking about men right, right now, and it's, I know you're dealing with women of color, but, you know, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm so hyper in the sense of I, I got to go, I'm tied to time, I wake up at the same time every day, that mm. to me really calms you you know i think that's the de-stressor in your whole process is telling you hey don't run out that door let's let's right. relax let's 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 bring all that down and let's think about where you are that's the that's the soul connecting part of it is it oh absolutely absolutely and and what you just said is absolutely correct is helping people understand it's okay to slow down for five uh to ten minutes to meditate get your breathing right focus your mind um, because, you know, people uh, many times say, well, I don't know how to meditate. I can't do it. And what we have is more of a guided meditation, so it helps you through. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's so important to stop, take a moment, and be present. Wow. Um, I agree. So, and that's what, yeah, that's I what agree. we try to give our clients. Because, you know, it's important that uh, you know, we all want to be successful. We all want to drive. And, and New York is already everybody says it's in high stress. It's a high stress city. You know, people push you right. around. It's crowded. You have traffic. You know, you can eat on the street. You can eat, you know, there's so many different layers of movement. So many ethnic groups just, just keeps crossing. As you cross the street, you can be amongst right. five or six different ethnic groups. And so right. when you, when you speak in different languages as well. And so when you're dealing with that level of stress, I, you know, I get up in the morning at like 4 o'clock, and I, 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 I think I'm going to incorporate what you're talking about more so, because I do that. I kind of go downstairs in my, my room, I stretch, and, and, but I turn on the TV. I think I'm going to turn off the TV and then just start talking to myself more and just, uh, just get myself more and more focused for the day, because that's good advice that you're giving to everybody, and, and it's relatable to everybody. Slow it down. Think about what your yeah. day is. Think about what you've just accomplished in life. Appreciate who you are. Appreciate your surroundings. Connect with your body and feel good about the opportunities that this day has given you that you're being blessed with. That's the that's the that's the minister side of you that comes in and and moves us forward, which is awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the first hour of your day and the last hour of your day are, are very important. Well, guess um, what? I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm loving this interview, my friend. I'm talking to Robert Brace, my man.
He's the uh, mindy, mind, body, soul connector. We'll be right back with more and talk about his 28-day challenge wellness program that he has started and talk about the influences that are tied to that program. Again, we'll be back with more with my we'll man, right Robert Grace. more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. On the phone is former ballet dancer turned celebrity trainer. He is known as the mind, body, soul connector of New York City. He's a celebrity fitness trainer and television personality. He has coming up what I call a very uh, a, a program. We know it's the first quarter. People always talk about, I got a resolution. I want to change my life, whether it's weight or gain or dating or habits they feel they need to break. And it's always good to capture people when they have that mindset that they want to create change. Isn't that correct, Robert? Oh, that is absolutely correct. You know, this is the time of the year when everybody's thinking about that change <laughs> and uh, excited about it. And so um, I think if we can just harness that feeling so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't peter out by the end of the month, um, then we can do some good things in 2020. Well, talk, talk about this 28 days of workouts for my 28-day challenge program that you created. Okay, so first of all, the original 28-day challenge uh, was created. I, I had a friend of mine who was uh, is a comedic filmmaker. He wanted to make, he saw all of these uh, magazine articles where they said you can get six-pack abs in 30 days, right? right so he comes right, to me and right. says, I want to do a, a video where, um, and I want to see if this can actually happen. So we went at it, I took on the challenge, and instead of 30 days, we totally transformed his body in 28 days. And so uh, that was in 2011, and at the time, we got close to a million views on that video. And so people started to seek me out and my team for to do the 28-day challenge. So we've been doing that for years, and then as I transitioned more into mind, body, and soul, um, that 28-day challenge now includes um, the meditations, the affirmations, and also... Um, mindset, uh, mindset makeover points, which are little motivational stories from my training experience, from my life, um, that help you kind of see fitness in a different way. And so what we're doing at the beginning of the year is if anybody goes to my uh, Instagram, which is uh, uh, at Robert Brace, B-R-A-C-E, and you hit the link in the bio, you will get 28 days of workouts for my 28-day challenge program, 28 days of guided meditations with affirmations to relieve stress, find peace, and set your intentions for the year, as well as uh, 28 days of the wellness motivation tips and insight from my personal life, right? And we're also doing in-studio events, which we live stream with some of your favorite influencers. Uh, we just did one with Lyris Cross, who is the, the first plus-size model winner on Project Runway. Um, and so it's a lot of uh, complimentary free content that you get. It's just to give you everything you need for a complete mind, body, and soul transformation, um, including everything that we do in our 28-day challenge. So we now, just what, let me ask you this, Robert. Of, Before you add, what ahead. exactly, because, you know, you, you did this in 2011. What exactly mm -hmm. is uh, that? What, what did you do? What, you, you, did you change the food eating habits or was it specific oh, things yes. you worked on in that 28-day period? <laughs> Are you still using the same technique? Or I know you've said you've added the 
the, the, the meditation and the, uh, the conditioning mm-hmm. and all that. What was that original challenge about? Well, the original challenge, yes, it's food and it's uh, exercise. The background to that story is when I was dancing, I started dance late. My dance career, I started at 15. And um, I was lucky enough to get into a program because I was still athletic and I had some flexibility. But uh, part of that is I was on an accelerated program and um, it was great, but some of it, they didn't really teach me proper technique. Mm. So I ended up, um, I was always getting injured. And then there was one day I was in a, in a men's class where they're doing the big tricks. Um, and uh, you're doing all these jumps and turning in the air. And I came down from a jump and I heard a crack in my back. Your back. And, um, yeah, in my back. I'd, and I developed a terrible back injury. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move my neck forward or back. And the school at that time, because I was on scholarship, said, if you, didn't, if you don't heal, um, you're going to lose your scholarship. Mm. And all I wanted to do at that time was dance. And, and so I dedicated that summer, um, six weeks, to coming into the studio. And my job was to heal my body, deconstruct movement, strengthen it, make it more flexible so that I can be exactly what I needed to be to gain my uh, scholarship back, but also to be the best dancer I could be. Right. Now, the side effect of that was I transformed. I mean, I came out and I, my abs were ripped, my body was ripped. and Got that core was, right. Got that core right, huh? <laughs> uh, that core was, I mean, it was intense. <laughs> and so those principles are what I moved over into the 28-day challenge. Not that anybody's doing dance, but the principles of how I deconstruct movement, how we have a very serious attention to form, engaging the right muscles, and a very detailed um, assessment of how we use the body is what I, I took that philosophy and transferred it into uh, weight training, resistance training that anybody can do, and that's how um, we came about with the 28-day challenge physical format. And then we have different meal plans that meet different people's needs. Um, so that's, that's the story of how, you know, the 28-day challenge was formed. It was probably the scare, one of the scariest uh, times in my life, but, um, you know, that turns your mess into a message. So um, that's what we're using now. But, you know, the thing about it is that sometimes uh, the, the best moments happen when you walk through fear. And like I said, yeah. fear and scary, being, uh, being afraid and overcoming that and not being, not being pushed back. Because like you said, you were challenged by the fact physically if you don't, if you don't get it, get yourself physically right, you could lose your scholarship. Out of that mm-hmm. result became what, what we can, we won't say, we, we can use the word your perfect body. Your core was right, you were tight, and then led you to this whole, this whole system that you have now, which is the basis of your brand. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Wow. That's exactly it. So when, when you, so, so, so when you talk about all these different uh, formats, you know, because I'm talking about the 28-day workout program, then you, what is the 2020 Resole Solution? Is that still part of the 28-day so, challenge? Yes. Yeah, so the 28-day Resolutions um, is a little bit about what I described earlier. Yes, sir. It's, um, setting your intentions for the year, right? So instead of just resolutions, right, we want to uh, you to have resolutions. We want to go a little deeper. Reset your body. Uh, refocus your mind and refresh your soul, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that, you get all of the physical part of the 28-day challenge that I just described, right. but you get the guided meditations that will um, focus your heart, your spirit, your mind, as well as the affirmations and wellness tips. We're all about changing the perspective of how people uh, see their bodies. You know, you hear the phrase, um, uh, your body is your temple, right? 
Right. And yes, we we have been we've got a proven track record of changing bodies really quickly. But the interesting thing about that phrase is that when you think of a temple, um, it's beautiful on the outside and and it's, it's ornate. But a temple is not a temple without the worship and the self-discovery that goes on inside that temple. Right. Right. And so what we're focused on is helping you access the best qualities of yourself, the self-discovery that's going to lead you to greatness, um, all of your divine given gifts, focusing on that and letting that be the reason why you work on the outside of your temple, right? Because right. we want the outside to reflect all of the beauty, the glory, and the divinity, divinity that's inside. And so I think once we take away... Um, once we help people focus inwards, because for us it's not just about working out, it's about working in. And once we help people focus inwards, typically they feel better about themselves, their motivation is right, and um, they're able to get great results, but not just get great results, but to live a lifestyle of healthy living. It's really, and that's it's really what great. Our mission is. This is really great. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's go back to this, because I want to make sure that people take advantage of what you, why I have you on the show, yeah. in studio yeah. and live stream events, because, yeah. you know, Peloton, they've really uh, locked down that market in a sense. You know, when you pedal yeah. on the bike, you can participate with somebody in New York or another part of the world. It really gets people enthusiastic about just, just riding by themselves. They're actually competing and being motivated by other people. Then they have this new uh, thing called the mirror, where, you know, you yes, can be in front of correct. a mirror and working out with somebody simultaneously. Because I think, mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that that's, this is something you're, sim you're doing right now in studio, out of your New York studio that's on Mulberry Street, these live stream and in-studio mm -hmm. events, correct? Talk about that in more detail, because yeah. I want people to understand that they can go there and be engaged physically or online. They can be, can be engaged yes. as well. For sure. So what we do is um, we, we work with uh, uh, many different influencers and, um, and not just influence people, people who have connected in some way to the mind, body, soul connection. And uh, we have events in our studio where um, they share their stories, they share their highs, they share their lows. And, and we really get to the bottom of what motivates them to stay well and healthy. And we live stream those events as well as the, the workouts. And we do different, we do different kind of interactive workouts. It's just really fun. Um, different ways for people to explore their body as well as do the actual workout. Right. And so if you sign up for, if you go to uh, my Instagram, Robert Brace, and you hit the link in the bio and you're part of, um, uh, and we send you 28 days of the workouts and the medications, you will also get notified of when we're having these events. So you mm -hmm. can show okay. up to the studio or you can live stream them and get there's so much wisdom out there. You know, I think if we uh, connect with other people who, who are on their own wellness, mind, body, soul journey and learn from their wisdom, it elevates all of us. And so they can connect with that um, from just signing up uh, through the website there or just checking my Instagram because we're always announcing something. Right, right. Uh, uh, always, uh, my show is Money Making Conversation. And I always like for mm. my guests to provide some information or some tidbit or some opportunity to show that, you know, we always see the end results, but there always there is always a journey to get to the end because when you get to the end, you're still moving forward. Now, Absolutely. Uh, and, and people approach me about starting their business or uh, businesses type like this. What what advice mm -hmm. would you give them and to move forward with a business plan to make sure that these these things are in place? And I think first and foremost, um, well, I guess it's a few different things. You're, you're asking about 
you know, what we should think about when starting a business or when starting a fitness business. Well, just understanding the principles of starting this type of business, uh, some of the challenges you went through. Like you said, you went uh, with some previous partners and now you're by yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, well, those are different conversations. Yeah, I think that you have to trust um, your talents and your interests. And, and, and that sounds very basic. But what I mean is this, I, I came, um, I I came out of the ministry and I came back to, um, I did a bunch of different things, but came back to training. I was training for other people. I had my own clients and I would bounce around the city, uh, training, training people in different locations. And, um, you know, I used to have the mindset of, man, uh, you've done too many things. You were a dancer and then you were a minister. And then I tried this entrepreneurial thing that didn't work out. And, you know, I was going through a period in my life where I was like, what are you doing? You know, right. all of these different things, how do they fit together? Yes. And um, the more that people, people started to connect with me um, for the different stages of my journey, people started to connect with me because they, they were um, attracted to the ballet background. Other people started to connect with me because, oh, here's somebody who understands the spiritual background. And then entrepreneurs uh, started connecting with me because, you know, I'd, I'd had a business and uh, even though it didn't work out the first one, um, I understood their struggle. And so then as I progressed, I started to see, I just need to be me. Yes. All of the things that I've been through um, are what make me and what make my brand. And, you know, the needs that I see, I see the need um, for all people. Uh, I don't want to say our gym is just for black women. We train everybody. Right. Um, and, um, but, you know, the specific journey I've had, I was uh, raised by a single, single mother and, um, you know, uh, she fought to give me the very best. She, um, she was an immigrant from Africa who moved to England. She had dyslexia, so she was written off. She um, started to make dresses for a living. She only made 50 cents a dress, and on that salary, she decided to put me through private school. And, um, you know, I saw her work so much and not have the time to work on her own wellness until much later in life. Wow. And so even that experience of seeing my mother now enjoying wellness and the, the few times she, she stopped to, to play with us outside, how, how much joy she had, you know, the, all of those things are my life and are real to me. And so that is what I use as the basic inspiration for my business. Now, beyond that, um, then I, you just have to learn. It's just because you have this inspiration and you have a certain talent. What I learned very quickly is you need to learn uh, essential business principles. And um, I, uh, I spent money on Absolutely. consultants. I spent money on courses. I spent money on books to try and learn from the best people. And sometimes, you know, you're spending this money and you're thinking, I'm not seeing an immediate, you know, ROI. I'm not seeing an immediate return on my investment. But over the years, you know, those things come together. And it's about having the discipline to put the basic business principles into practice and, and watch your business grow from there. Because, you know, one thing I'm a firm believer in is just because you have a talent and an experience does not necessarily make you an entrepreneur. What makes you an entrepreneur is learning those business principles that you put into practice, um, you know, in the Absolutely. beginning, middle, right. and end of your journey. Exactly. Um, so so that's, um, 
I guess that's my philosophy on that. That's, that's, that's an awesome journey. philosophy, and that's all I needed to hear. And that's all my listeners needed to hear because you're a success. I'm talking to Robert Brace. He is the mind, body, soul connector of New York City, world-renowned celebrity fitness trainer. His studio, Brace Life Studio, located in Little Italy at 132 Mulberry Street, uh, Unit 2E. Now, tell us again how they can register for classes so we can get out of here. They can register for classes. Go to the website, bracelifestudios.com. That is brace, B-R-A-C-E, lifestudios.com. Uh, go to my Instagram, at Robert Brace, um, and sign up there as well for the free content. You can also get the free content on the Resolutions page of my website. And uh, just join us, whether it's 